Welcome to Patterns and Possibilities, Curious Conversations with Miss Handy. I'm so pleased to begin a new pattern of inquiry that involves an up-close and personal conversation with special guests around the globe who actively use human systems dynamics to transform the patterns in their world. That new pattern of inquiry begins with our special guest right now. I'm delighted to introduce you to Ahmed Avez. Ahmed is based in Apex, North Carolina, where he enjoys a vibrant life with his wife and four children. He has a deep-seated passion for personal growth, mastery, agile games, and embracing the great outdoors. You can learn more about Ahmed by reading his bio in our show notes. Welcome to Patterns and Possibilities, Ahmed. Happy to be here, Tamala. Well, I'm so excited to be able to have this conversation with you. And the first thing I want to know is what led you to HSD? And what, if anything, at that time were you looking for? Absolutely. And that's, that's a great question. So I, am, uh, I work as a business agility coach in my day job, which is kind of a consulting coaching hybrid. And the specific uh, community I belong to is called the Agile community. So the Agile software development community and the business agility is an offshoot of it. So through my Agile learnings and engagement, I learned that many of my top practitioners or top people were HSD professionals. And one of them was Diana Larson. So, and I sought her advice as a career move to like, hey, what should I know more about? What should I learn more about? And she recommended that I go take a deep dive with HSD. And that was a decision I made in 2018. And I think I've, I've benefited from that decision ever since. And uh, it has changed my worldviews, it's changed how I operate, but I came from the Agile community into HSD and that's what brought me here. Well, I'm curious because I've, I know you already and I've heard you talk a lot about the Agile community. So can you tell us how does that sort of align or not align with what HSD teaches? I believe it aligns very well because Agile also believes in variability instead of running organizations in a static uh, phase gate approach, we kind of say, well, well, let's work with the variables and find what's fit for function. And in that way, there's these uh, methodologies like Scrum and Kanban at a team level, and then product thinking, Agile mindsets, and at a leadership level, how to run a whole organization that can thrive and respond to changing climates, external factors. So sensing and responding and working to be continue to be innovative and not getting stuck in the rut. So as I'm describing what Agile helps with, you might get a sense that it's also how complex adaptive systems and how HST works. And uh, interestingly enough, something that people will uh, find uh, interesting is that Scrum Alliance, their own Scrum guide starts with the idea that Scrum is a complex adaptive system. And so, well, wouldn't it be worth our practitioners to go deeper into well, what is complex adaptive system? How do you understand it? How do you influence something that you cannot predict or control? 
And I think there's a very good convergence how work, future workplaces or future work should behave in an agile, in an incomplex, aware, aware setting. Thank you for highlighting that. Because sometimes we think that something that we're doing has to stand alone. But in many instances, if we take the time to look, we can find those places where each one might flow into the other and back and forth. So I appreciate you sharing that. And you mentioned that HSD has changed your worldview or worldviews. Do you want to share how that impacted you and what specifically have you noticed in terms of how you changed some of your thinking? So the first thing is, uh, first shift that happened for me was de-emphasizing the idea of competence and emphasizing the idea of confidence. Because when you're talking about competence, you there's so many experts to follow, so many checklists to follow, so much details and getting lost in those details and minutia, spreadsheets and techniques and tools, all those things. And trying to wrap your head around everything and learn everything, it's kind of an endless pursuit. But there's, and it's it's hard to be a great practitioner and not be in, falling in that trap of, I need to learn everything, I need to capture everything. And then the first shift is to go from competence towards confidence. And that's more about to know just enough about it. Just know enough about it that you're not stuck and you take a practical stance. So take an action, an adaptive action, and you move forward and you inspect where you are and you move forward. So it shifts from competence to confidence. So that happened for me. The second thing was understanding that they, in a complex system, when you are taking actions, the system is not just changing in one isolated way. It's all interconnected and interdependent. And trying to say that there's only one way to do anything is an incorrect belief. I, uh, management has thrived from models in the 80s. Uh, there's some good things about them, but there's many bad things about them because they're not suited for a world that now exists in post-pandemic with continuously a war-torn world with a lot of variabilities, with extended complexity and uncertainties. So thinking that there's only one way to solve it is also a worldview that I held strongly. And then I started to like, you know, move away from it. So that was another shift that happened. And generally speaking, just looking at the world to see the world is what it is, but what are the patterns I'm noticing? And what I can do, what can I influence in the position, in the place I am, whether hope, it's not about hoping, like if I was the CEO of this organization, I would be able to do it. Whereas CEOs would think that if I knew everything that was happening on the ground floor, I would be more impactful because people filter things by the time they come to me. And it's like, it's all dilated information. And, and by the time some crisis, it's, it's 18 months at past, and I was not informed in a timely manner. So it's always longing everywhere. Whereas you can say, I can do something and I can influence things in regardless of the position in an organization I have and holding myself with adaptive action, holding pattern spotting. And I, and I, for your audience, I mean, pattern spotting is looking at patterns with the language of HSD. It's like in general, I see something like this, but sometimes I see other things. And then what is what part of it is true and useful and what you can do about it. So there's there's a lot there. Obviously, I can talk about it for days, if, if not months. <laughs> but I, I think for now, those are some fundamental shifts that happened for me.
And in those shifts, Ahmed, how have you been able to translate that to your actual clients in seeing differences in them? So uh, the way I consult or the way we work with our clients, a lot of times if things are not variable, Agile is not the right fit for them. But there happens to be variability whenever you add humans. And uh, just by the fact of humans, it's more true than not true that they will be subjected so to different belief systems, different rules, different worldviews, internal, external factors. So when we go into a client, we, we go in with a listening approach, with an active listening approach. What exactly is going on with the organization? When we're hired to do an agile transformation, we don't go in heavy-handed like how some consulting organizations from the 80s who grew up in the 80s and still go with it, like go with the checklist approach. Here, this is whether you're doing it or not. Here's our assessment of it. Go fix yourselves or hire us to fix it for you, right? We go in with, with an approach and my peers, I'm fortunate to work with a very strong uh, team of coaches in Project Brilliant and they're all super smart people, but we all kind of operate in the same way. And some people do it consciously and some people do it unconsciously, is to find out what's working for them and what's not working for them. The things that are working for them, we don't want to lose them as a new transformation comes in. And we want to amplify them. We want to spread them. And things that are not working for them, what exactly about them is not working? What are the different perceptions and beliefs about them? What differences are actually making a difference? that we can pursue. So even in consulting, when we do an assessment, it's not a checklist assessment, it's more of a listening tour. And when then we do that, we also go and check back and we partner with them. Here's what I'm noticing, what are you seeing? And within the coaches, we kind of obviously nerd out in coaching for what exactly we need to do. We need to do our part and then the client needs to do their part. So in Agile, um, sometimes, in again, there's good examples and there's bad examples. When you go in with a very rigid, and hard point of view, I say, well, you should do Scrum, for example. And I think Scrum is lovely. It's a beautiful thing when it's done beautifully. It can really unlock potential for teaming and innovation for an organization. But when you go in that you have to do it, and if you don't do it, you are gonna, you know, nothing's gonna work. It's absolute, you know, when you draw this line of rigidity, you're kind of moving away from agility. And so that allows us to say, well, where, what are the things that, what are the good enough for now, safe enough to try experiments that we can take? So it has fundamentally changed how I continue to interact with my clients at an individual level, at a whole level in teams, and at a greater whole, greater whole for the whole organization. So I think that stays with that and is true and it's useful. I want to mention a word that you just said, which is rigidity. And I know that a part of HSD, a huge part of it is inquiry. And I'm curious, how has the ways that you ask questions of yourself and even of your clients changed in terms of the rigidity now that you are touching HSD? So there's multiple aspects to it. One of them is that Coaching itself, so people who are seasoned, trained coaches, they understand the idea of powerful questions, which is not a yes and no question, which is a question that allows a person to think deeper, right? Saying, instead of saying, well, are things working okay? And it's a yes or no, yes, no. How do you perceive things are working? 
or what aspect of our things that are going on. And again, I'm being a little meta because you need to have context. You need to use the language of the client, use the emergent language to feed the question back. So that's, that's how the coaches are trained. What's different or beautiful about HSD is that we kind of hold that pause of really overloading or uh, saturating with questions without making it a two-way street so that you can really give that time and space for questions because not all questions are, are have the same impact and not all questions will be tangible or actionable for the client, but it's definitely supposed to be um, awareness. It should drive awareness for a client. It should drive action for a client. It should make something that is useful for the client. So in that, when we ask questions, we're thoughtful about asking. And sometimes I get to do powerful inquiry with my actual clients, where I tell them the context of why it's important to go away from what now what, what now what, the trigger action, because most of the leaders I work with are very capable. They hear the question and hear partial question, they're already taking action. So the what now what, what now what is like trigger, it's a, it's a trigger finger. What we want to do is expand the so what. The so what stretches us to an uncomfortable level where you ask questions and hold that piece without answering or making into a dialogue that allows you to see things that you may not have seen before. And then the now what is still important to take action. Otherwise, all you're doing is admiring the problem and you don't want to admire the problem. You want to take actions. So I think that's important, but um, sometimes uh, in, in, a, in a very fluid environment, we don't get, get a chance to do a power of inquiry the way I know in HSD, but it's more for coaching through powerful questions, which is still consistent with the language of complexity and how help people unlock their own potential. Well, speaking of now what, I have my own now what to ask you, and that is, what advice would you give to the HSD community and really to the world of human beings who haven't yet experienced HSD? So uh, that's such a profound question, and I, 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 I've been thinking about that since you shared that that was the question to ask, is uh, at, an, at a fundamental level, our education system has not done a good job of teaching us about complexity, or teaching about us uncertainty. We're still kind of trying to hold all the sand and all the water in our palms with our, without letting it escape. And that's been futile. So that's one thing that we need to learn the language of complexity. We need to learn the language of uncertainty so that we're not overwhelmed by it, but that even in any crisis, we don't get stuck. We don't get stuck and we keep moving forward towards the aims that we have, towards the goals we have. So there's an education aspect of it. The other thing is we are not done uh, working with all the myths that we believe in. So there is so many myths in our consulting, in our coaching, in our, in, uh, in our, in our cities and government and corporations. Right? I was watching this uh, TED talk by Chobani CEO, where he talks about the anti-CEO behavior, not making decisions because the spreadsheet said so, but making decisions because the community needs it and working in, a, in creating an environment, creating an environment that allows for more jobs to create, not because you're separate from it and you don't see the humans behind the factory that needs to be shut down. He recovered a factory that was being shut down. And the 55 people were supposed to just take it down and take it apart. 
he was able to hire those 55 people and thousand more and much more and even make build bring a whole city and community back to life that was losing and dying. So that's a way about community building and complexity and adaptive systems that we need to think more about, that we are not helpless and that we as, uh, as a whole in all the organization, all the people, and the more people understand complexity and uncertainty and taking action in a way that is complexity aware, I, I believe the world gets better. It starts with you, but the world gets better. So that's my advice. Well, Ahmed, thank you so much for helping us to realize the agency that we all have if we want to take advantage of that. So this has been a really eye-opening conversation. And I want to say thank you for giving me the time and space to have a conversation with you and taking us on your journey in, through, and with HSD. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It has been my privilege. I'm so grateful that you've joined us for our new pattern of curious conversations with Miss Handy. Be sure to tune in next time when we'll talk to another one of our special guests from around the globe about their unique HSD, what, so what, and now what experience. Until then, continue using adaptive action to discover all of the patterns and possibilities that exist in your world. Thank you.